Hello, everybody. Welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Robbins. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and medium. And here we explore life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. I'm so excited to be recording live today on Fireside. I'm so excited that I got everything, all the technical details in place. We will be opening it up for any questions and conversation at the end of the show. So please just bear with us as we kind of talk through everything because I want to make sure to get all my questions answered about what um, Bo Isabeau is here to teach us today. So Isabeau Maxwell is one of the leading spiritual coaches in intuitive development. She brings deep channeled knowledge and personal understanding to spirituality. She has been helping people connect to their authentic, natural, intuitive abilities for over 15 years. Isabeau is, internet, is an internationally known medium, author, and teacher who has touched the lives of people throughout the world. Known for her compassion and accuracy, Bo brings peace and comfort to many through her energy work, transformative sessions, and teachings. Isabeau is the founder of the Sage Method, a life-changing intuitive training program that she teaches people how to open their own intuitive abilities and live an authentic, blissful life. She is also the creator of the Sage Circle, Discovery Meditation, and the author of Cracking Open, Adventures of a Reluctant Medium. With a bachelor's degree from Minnesota State University, with a major in mathematics and a minor in chemistry, Isabel maintains a balanced perspective between this world and the next. Down to earth, easy to connect with, Isabel offers safe space for students and clients to process the intuitive information they access. Welcome to the show, Isabel. Thank you, Amy. I am really excited to be here. Anyone else feel like they were shot out of a cannon this month? I certainly do. It feels like everything has just taken off. And so I'm excited to share that the rest of the year has got great content and 2022 is already shaping up to be incredible. So if you want to know what's coming and what I've got planned for you, please go ahead and sign up for my newsletter. It is actually the thing that's fallen to the bottom of everything I do, unfortunately, but I am going to make it come back. So as a busy mom of three, um, I have had to prioritize some things and the podcast always gets priority over everything else. So if you haven't signed up for my newsletter yet, you can do that on my website, dramyrobbins.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and you can link there. Uh, Also, if you could support the podcast, that would be fantastic. You can go to patreon.com, any sort of you just put in my name, any sort of financial support is so, so appreciated right now as I'm really ramping up with some great guests into 2022. And I want to sort of elevate my listener experience overall. And one way I'm doing that is on Fireside. So if you have not joined me on Fireside yet, I know I've seen a few of you over there, maybe you're kind of hiding in the background, but you can be on the show and ask questions of my guests, which is amazing. All my shows are on Thursdays. They are live. Time kind of varies depending on 
where my guests are, but generally between 12 and 2. So you can have lunch with me if you're back at the office and having lunch. I would love to see some of you over there. It's a great platform. It's fun to be interactive and to to hear all of you and hear your questions. Um, Also, follow me on Instagram at Dr. Amy Robbins. And I think that just about covers it. So here is this month's episodes. We have so much in common. We're both dancing in the same realms. I think it's absolutely awesome. So let's get started. If you could just tell us your journey, uh, how you got here reluctantly, because I can I can totally identify with that reluctantly piece. For me, I, I didn't open up until I was 31. And before that, I was a complete skeptic, complete skeptic, not like actively trying to be skeptic, but I, you know, like we just heard, I had a math major in college. I ran businesses. I, there was spirituality, religion had nothing to do with my life. I mean, I grew up Methodist, but we weren't really active in the church and that spirituality stuff, the psychic stuff, medium, it was all just nonsense and woo woo. And I didn't pay any attention to it. And at 31, my grandmother passed away. She was in Minnesota. I was in New Hampshire. And shortly after she passed, she appeared in my living room. And really with quite an impact because she was probably 70% solid. And for a skeptic who isn't in these realms, and, and this is just blown everything off as not being real, that was really startling, which would be a minor word for it. And I remember she showed up, she was there for a few seconds, she was standing sideways. And I could see the transparency. I my logical brain also knew she had just passed away. And she turned and looked at me and she winked and smiled and then disappeared. And I'll be honest, it was purely out of grief. My grandmother was everything to me. She was my grandma, my mom, my, I mean, she was everything. And out of grief, it was, okay, maybe it, what happens if this is real? What happens if, you know, and it was, it was my desire to not want to lose her. So I stepped into it and communicated with her that after that, I didn't see her that strong, that visual for a while. It was more of those, that goosebumps, the rushes, the rush that would go through you and I would feel her and then I would work with yes and no questions with her, which by the way, is one of the most foundational, best things you can practice when it comes to honing your intuition. And we would communicate back and forth. After a few months, I really started to doubt myself that maybe I was making it up. Maybe I was creating this, you know, just to, to be able to hold on to her. And I, I said, I really need proof. I, I'm so sorry. I don't mean to demand it, but I really need it. Cause if I, if I can't get that, I need to go back to, you know, what I understood before. And she gave me ridiculous amount of proof. And from that point on, I never looked back and I started to work with a spirit guide, hone my intuition. And then he said, you know, bring this, bring everything that we've done together out into the world so other people can do the same thing. And I've done that. And, uh, Probably the thing that's closest to my heart, though, is the crossing over work that I do, helping um, spirits who are stuck to continue on their journey so they can go home. 
So that's so, pretty much me uh, in a I nutshell. Have, <laughs> I have a lot of questions, starting with uh, how, how do you differentiate, or for people who are perhaps skeptical, they may say, well, you were just in the throes of grief and you just saw what you wanted to see. So can you explain, um, one, how you know that wasn't the case? Two, also how you continue to ask for proof and what that proof looked like? I knew it wasn't the case when I got the proof. And I, I don't wish that on others because it's very limiting and it stops us from accessing what's really there naturally. But because of my stance with this, they knew, and I say they, my guides, my grandmother, they knew I needed quite the impact. She knew I needed a big enough impact the very first time I sensed her in order for me to pay attention. Because if I mm. would have just caught something out of the corner of my eye, I was so closed off, I would have just brought, I, I wouldn't have done anything about it. So for most people, I say, you know, for most students that I've worked with, they don't have like an apparition that strong, just pop into their living room. <laughs> it's, it's a little less common, but I kind of chuckle a little bit because it only it really happens to the people that that's what needs to happen. Guides, loved ones will give you exactly what you need and what you can handle as well. So when it comes to the doubt though, and, you know, grief, et cetera, et cetera. I just, I, I said to her one day, you know, I love you. I, I'm taking care of, I'm raising two small boys. I need to know that I'm okay mentally. And this is just, nothing has been strong enough to convince me that this is it. I don't <laughs> suggest people approach it that way. It's just how it unfolded for me. And I'll, I'll talk about a, a great technique, a five-minute faith technique that we can talk about real quick, too, for people to step into getting more and more proof. But when I said that, it was kind of, I'm going to go this way or that way, and I made the decision. And then within 24 hours, I was driving, and I felt her. I felt the chills. I felt the rush go through me. And so I pulled over saying, okay, is this it? Or is this the time you're going to give me a lot of information? Now, I had only achieved yes and no communication with her. So, but I was also very good at the 20 questions game from when I was a kid. <laughs> so I sat in a parking lot and it took 20 minutes, but I finally got the yes and no answers down to my mother would need assistance. She would call me. My mom was living at the time. My mom would need assistance. She would call me. And, but that I wasn't going to be the one to end up helping her, a friend would. And I said, okay, this is big enough that when it doesn't happen, I can go check in with a doctor. So maybe 24 hours later, I get a call from my mom and she's like, I've got a banking backup situation. I need cash um, put into my bank account for the next 24 hours. And then, you know, can give it, give it back to you. I said, okay. I went to my bank, got some cash. I was driving to her bank a little, you know, creeped out. This is like coincidental, you know, but, you know, we, we dealt with businesses and stuff like this. So it's not that odd <laughs> that it would have happened. And I pulled into her bank parking lot, parked the car. She called me back in that moment. My mom did and said, 
hey, hey, hon, don't worry about it. Lisa took care of it. And when mm. I tell that story, it still hits me in that moment because I remember how strong that moment was in the car. And it, it can choke me up at times, but I just wept. I wept. It was like, there's, it is, it is practically impossible for that to just have unfolded for me. And I never looked back. I never looked back, struggled a little bit with doubt, um, realized uh, through some teachings and such that doubt was a habit that I needed to approach and, you know, work through. But for other people, I, I say, you know, if you haven't had a moment like that, you can certainly ask for it. If it doesn't come through, though, please don't give up. Please know that you can hold yourself in a space of what I call five minute faith every day. And it's five minutes where you, you're open to absolutely everything. Everything is possible. Everything is real. It's all there. And then at the end of, I mean, set the microwave timer at the end of five minutes, you can take your skepticism right back on if you want to, but that gives your energetic body a feeling for what it's like to access all possibilities and once you do that for a little while, like once a day for a little while, the signs will become stronger. Your intuitive messages will start to show um, with more strength because in essence, what you're doing is you're raising your vibration every day into that space of possibilities. So a couple things. I want to go two ways here, but let's start with the souls that are stuck. I also want to delve into the intuition piece because I think that this is something a lot of people really want to know more about is how they can one connect, but also connect to their own intuition. But let's start with the, the, the souls that are stuck, because I think this scares people. How does a soul does. get stuck? Why does a soul get stuck? And what do you do to help them move through and, and cross over? Like, are they in purgatory? Are they in between? between the, the the purgatory so i don't approach anything with any type of a religious viewpoint but i do find it interesting that um purgatory was probably the closest thing to what a, a closest description to what i experience what i call the in-between and the, the in-betweens we've got earth the in-between and the other side so they're transitioning through the in-between and it was it wasn't close perfectly but it was the closest thing and then i chuckled a number of years back when when the church said oh purgatory doesn't exist anymore <laughs> i was like wait a minute the one thing <laughs> that felt so close to to what i was experienced but um for me it, it you know i know people are frightened of this so first let's talk about you know the fear of will i get stuck when i pass and I can ease your mind in saying no. Uh, a huge percentage of people that pass and go through the transition to cross over do so with great ease. When we hear people come back with near-death experiences, they all say the same thing. It was just, it was automatic. It was a flow. It was just, you, you couldn't stop it. You just went toward this light and it felt better and better and better and better and better. Now, a spirit that gets stuck is... Uh, you, it's almost always for a fear-based reason. Think of crossing over as like an escalator or a people mover. A spirit has to like in the wedge movie their soul. Did you see like the movie in the movie Soul? soul. Oh, see, that was a good movie. <laughs> I always wonder if these directors know a little bit more than they're letting letting on. But they totally do. They totally do. And and a spirit has to like dig their feet in and stop because this is an automatic 
thing that's happening, they have to disengage from that. And it's usually done through fear. It can be um, fear of fear of going to hell. It could be fear of being punished for something that they did, but it could also be fear of missing out on their kid's graduation. Um, I've even connected, I've even connected with an atheist in the in-between who was like confused because it didn't make sense to him. He was a super sweet guy, but I said, what, you know, and he could see me, I could see him. And he said, I'm confused. It's supposed to be done. And I, I didn't really know. It didn't feel like the right time to kind of talk to this guy about the possibilities that he's now going to experience. So I just said, you know what? And I checked in with my guides on this. And I said, you know what? I said, it is. I said, do you see a door? Do you see a path? Are you being pulled? And he goes, yeah, I'm being pulled. I see a door. And I said, I said go through the door. And then that's, that's where it's all done. And he said, okay. And then he crossed over. <laughs> and so it's, um, it's, a, it's a variety of reasons, but they're all usually in some sort of confusion or fear-based structure. And... For somebody that does crossing over work, it's not necessarily crossing them over. It's shifting their attention psychologically because that's what they are in the in-between. They're literally the same person without a physical body. And so now the possibilities are endless for them and they've got their linear time mental fears. So to shift their perspective, get them to talk about something else or um, listen to their story if they need to so they can release or give them some courage or help them in whatever way you can, they start that automatic movement again. And once they start that automatic movement, the closer they get, the more they lose the fear and they're more in that unconditional love. So it's easier for them to cross. Gotcha. So, so unconditional love, not shockingly. Yeah. is the key. I also think sometimes when I think about like this in-between state and when people talk about like hell and I, I've had people on who talk about life reviews before, I often think that if we have not been kind generally to people in our lives, if we haven't loved, if we haven't um, just tried to move our soul forward, then that's where it feel it could feel not great in that crossing over period because you have a life review and you experience that what you've done to others to yourself and so that might not feel there absolutely that's exactly what i've experienced i haven't experienced it because i haven't crossed over but that's what i have seen at least this time you don't remember right exactly i've done it many other times but i've the review process is is very much there and the way that i explain it is very it is almost identical to what you're expressing is that when you do something harmful, let's say you randomly punch your friend and first off, not cool, but you go to the other side, you need to relive doing that moment. You need to relive that moment in your friend's shoes. You need to relive that moment in your friend's mother's shoes. You need to relive that moment in your friend's kid's shoes. You have to feel the full and complete um, aura of the experience from all perspectives. You have to feel your ripple effect of what you've done. And people say to me, did Hitler go to hell? No, Hitler had a very long review process. So yeah, the review process can be very difficult and it can be hard. And there are times that spirits don't want to do it. 
I, I actually had someone ask a question recently about this, about whether or not there are people who come here who don't have souls. Mm. What, I'm curious have, your thoughts on that. Yeah, I have not yet seen that, but I could see that as a possibility. I find that in order to go deeply into spiritual realms, you have to stay open to all of the possibilities. The minute you land on something solid, you know, I heard someone say once, everyone only has two spirit guides. It's like, eh, that's a little too, <laughs> we just landed a little mm -hmm. too much on that one. But I could see the possibility of that. I mean, we have a lot of interactive things on this, on this realm. Like we've got, mother nature we've got animals we have trees we have um you know uh, energies of uh rock fire i mean we have all of that stuff so if a being came here and didn't have a soul my guess is it would at least have a purpose uh, that's I have so much I want to get to, but I want to like bookmark that if we have time to go back to it. If they if they didn't have a soul, they would have a purpose. Because I'm like, how can you have a purpose if you don't have a soul? Because isn't part of our main purpose to kind of to keep growing our soul? So purpose in a role to play. If we were going to gotcha. go deeper into that. Okay. Yeah, a role to play. Um, if they needed to put... So let's, let's look at Earth as a, a giant stage and we're all actors and we're, we're playing out our lines and it's, it's not as set in stone as having the script, but we do need to get to the end of the story. And if we can't get to the end of the story because something has shifted, I mean, you have to imagine how many souls are navigating around each other to make sure everyone gets the highest good and the journey that they were looking for. And we have a little bit of free will. And so we can push things back and forth. If they need to put a player in the game in order for you to move forward and no longer be affected by me holding still, they might do that in order for you to keep going on your path. Because throughout this lifetime, we're all navigating with each other. It's why when you learn manifesting, they say keep it general because not everyone can marry Brad Pitt. So <laughs> we all have to adjust and we have to gain access to that which is available to us. It's impossible for me to just disappear and show up in Sweden and that's the coffee shop where there's the person I'm supposed to meet. And that person I'm supposed to meet gives me a puzzle piece that, that opens doors to all the rest of my life. I can't, and, there, and if that's the only purpose person right now that can give me that piece and they're in Sweden and I can't get there, maybe someone comes in and they put a player into a coffee shop to just tell me something real quick. So I could mm -hmm. see how that could be like a, 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 like a last minute actor thrown on the stage to gotcha. get the scene to go in a certain direction. I have seen things well, like that. Well, if we all had my son's superpowers, which he wishes he had, we would be able to teleport <laughs> to Sweden. Now, that's yeah. what he came up with the that's other true. night is his choice superpower. Um, so, so I've been talking a lot on the show about intuition, and I want to get your definition and take on it and also how we continue to develop it and, and what it looks like uh, for, for any of us. Well, a couple things that I, I always feel are so important and need to be said. 
it's so intuition is so natural. It's the sixth sense. Everyone has it. And when people talk to me about the, the piano theory that not everyone can play the piano. And then you have some people that are like, you know, brilliant at playing the piano. I kind of take a step back at and say, really look at this analogy and now look at the will of the people involved. The people that are really good at playing the piano are putting their time in every single day playing the piano. And what I want to do is I want to reach those people who don't even sit down at the piano because they think they can't. And I want to reach them and say, just have a seat, start playing, because it will get easier and easier and easier. And then you will be playing the piano just like the rest of us. It's so natural. But aren't there but some people this... who are just more wired to be gifted at playing the piano than others? Like Michael Jordan See, practiced a ton, but he also had yeah. some innate skills that I don't have, no he, matter how much I practice. And a little bit of height, I'm just guessing. Right. <laughs> that helps a, a little bit as well. The difference between someone like Michael Jordan and anyone else that's just playing a game of basketball, because most anyone can can throw a ball at a hoop. The difference is, is that this is his per this was his purpose. This is why he came down here. He needs to be able to be at a level where he can affect a whole bunch of people with, you know, with everything that he does around it. So by being famous, he can share this or raise money here or develop this or do so there, there was a calling that he needed to do same is true for a handful not more than a handful of intuitives where this is their calling this is what they're supposed to do they're supposed to reach out into the world so they are wired to have very strong intuition but that doesn't mean that other people can't gain intuition at the same strength the thing is is that Intuition is not limited by any sort of physicality. So when we talk about piano playing, when we talk about sports, when we talk about vision or being able to see things or taste a taster for, you know, I don't know, a cookie factory. I'm just trying to like come up with different reasons why you would use your different senses. The other five are really based in the human physical body. And so that sixth sense does not have the same limitations. And if I can go, from completely closed off to the level of intuition I'm at today, then really anyone can. Yeah, I appreciate you helping us kind of parse that out because I think I have people who will often ask me, do I do readings? And I don't. Um, and part of the reason is, is I'm not the Michael Jordan of mediums. Like I don't, that is not what my purpose is supposed to be. Now, does that make me not intuitive? No, it just means maybe I'm more recreationally intuitive um, versus <laughs> like this is my this is my profession, this is my purpose. So I can I can appreciate that. So can you talk about what exactly is intuition? Because it's not necessarily connecting with loved ones who have gone. It's all other. There's a lot of other ways to use it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Intuition is connecting. I see I love your podcast because you talk about what's in between. So when it comes to intuition, intuition is connecting with that that is in between the molecules. We create this agreed upon reality of the solid. And everything that we're looking to try to access 
our guides, our loved ones in the mediumship world or in the psychic world, um, energy or sources of information energetically, all of that is in between the molecules. So one huge tip that I give people is as soon as you can start practice, start practicing defocusing. Because when you're focused, when you focus your vision on something and you're looking at something solid, you're focusing on the molecule, not on the space in between. Another example of this would be, or, or an example of this would be people say that they, and, and it's happened to me, I'm sure it's happened to you too. You see something out of the corner of your eye and then you turn and it's gone. And people say, why does that happen? Because when you turned, you instinctively, humanly turned and your eyes instantly focused on something solid, a wall, a lamp, a door, because your eyes were searching for something in this solid agreed upon reality. But, but the truth is what you saw at the corner of your eye was in between the molecules. It was not solid. And the reason you saw it is because it was in that defocused part of your vision. So as soon as you can start to defocus, start to let go of this agreed upon reality. When I did readings, I did readings for so many years because that's what I thought I can relate, Amy, because that's what I thought I should do. And I did them for a number of years and realized that when I went to hone my intuition, it wasn't to give readings. It was to do crossing over work more efficiently. And so it's different for everybody. But for me, those years that I did readings, you would see me you know, turn and look down at the ground and just gaze. And, and it's in the gazing that you're letting go of, you know, the solid. And that's huge for people. When you start to do that, another thing that's so important for people to hear is that everyone's intuition is different. If you try to do it like someone else, you're not going to get it. It's not going to click for you. So the more you can stay open to any way that messages come through for you, the more you'll start to feel how your intuition uniquely flows. So it's different for every single person. So how do I know what's my intuition versus what's just my mind playing tricks on me or my imagination? Or does it not even matter all that much? Oh, that imagination versus intuition. It's frustrating because when you first step into using your intuition, those two things, they flow through your brain the exact same way. And so it's really tough to feel the difference. There is a subtle difference that you can experience. And with time and practice, you'll be able to know more and more when something came through that's intuitive and when it was your imagination. But at first, it's a very subtle difference and it's very hard to distinguish between the two. And for everyone listening to your podcast, I know most people are going, yes, yes, it's really hard. I don't know if I made it up or not. There is a, think of it this way, there is a pull with intuition, whereas with your imagination, there's a push. So if you are actively, it's a matter of paying attention to, am I actively creating? And, and sort of looking at, what's happening to you from a larger perspective. What is my behavior in this moment? So if I'm, you know, doing the dishes and all of a sudden an image of a, a deer pops up in my head and then my friend's car, there was no act there of creating. There was no act of me creating. 
So at that point, it would be my intuition. But if I was doing the dishes, thinking about my friend and her new car, and then saw a deer and her car hit the deer or something, I've set the stage for that. So I created it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. There's definitely a pull and a push to it. Intuition is, um, is you sitting in a classroom listening to the teacher tell you something. Whereas imagination is you walking up there and drawing something. Now, or imagination is you going up there and drawing something. Intuition can flow off the back of imagination. And I do encourage people to try that. Mm -hmm. Try a meditation where you sit in an open field, create a tree with your imagination, create a deer, and then just sit and hold the scene for a while. And if something pops in, or even better, when something pops in and takes you further on in the scene, then that's your intuition speaking. The more you can try different things like that, the more you'll be able to feel when you're creating. We were almost talking about what I just had someone on about last week, which was this notion of quantum reality and how Mm -hmm. with our imagination, we can create our reality in some way. Yeah, absolutely. It's so much fun. I Can I give you kind of a fun example? So right now we are full-time RVing and we've been doing it for a year and it's an absolute blast. And we stayed at a fairground off season. So the whole place was very open. There was, I mean, no one around. There's RV hookups and it was beautiful and peaceful. And on the way there, I said to my partner, hey, I've heard about these things that are axe throwing places where you can go and instead of shooting darts into a bullseye, you can throw axes into a, into a bullseye. I said, I'd really like to experience that. We should keep our eye out on the road for an axe throwing location. He said, okay. Now, mind you, Amy, I, I'm fully in this belief that I am a constant creator and active creator in my life. Two days later, we're at this um, fairgrounds it's empty, it's empty, it's empty. We wake up one morning and the, um, what is it called? Farmer's market showed up. And one of the things that showed up at the farmer's market was a mobile axe throwing unit. So threw on the shoes, got some, walked out of our RV, walked right on over. <laughs> it was, you know, the universe brings this to you. Whatever you talk about, they bring to you in any way that you can. What are the odds that you decide you want to check one of these places out and then 48 hours later it shows yeah, up? Yeah, I in just your front had yard. this experience with a friend. We were driving by this old street where this old restaurant that I grew up kind of loving going to was. And I looked at her and said, God, remember that restaurant? It used to be so fun. Like they're bringing back all of these things from the 80s and 90s. I wish they would bring that back. I kid you not, that mm-hmm. afternoon. I was talking with another friend on the playground and she's like, did you hear they're reopening this restaurant? But couldn't you just say like, what do you, how do you make sense of that? It's not like I manifested the restaurant to reopen. It was already in process. So energetically, what what happened there? So I call them synchronicities and I love them so much. What happens when you open your intuition and you start to expand your intuitive channel and you're able to see, you're able to in essence see more behind the scenes. So what your it's it's a combination of 
you know, did I see the axe throwing unit coming? Did you see the restaurant reopening intuitively? And then it, it brought you to talk about it or, and it's a combination of that and the desires of what you want coming into play with the flow of all of us navigating around each other. So you want something and you speak about it and it comes into being, yeah, the restaurant was going to open. Yes. The axe throwing place was going to be there, but if you think of it on more of a, uh, like a cloud based level, you're navigating through the cloud, deciding what colors you want it to be in the universe is saying, okay, well, let's see if we can make that happen. Mm. So talk to me a little bit about your sage method and how, how it works to help open people up a little bit. The sage method was really interesting and came to me in a way I didn't expect um, I guess I didn't expect uh, to, to have it at all. <laughs> I was on such a personal journey. So my grandmother showed up, like what we talked about, I met with my first spirit guide and worked with him for uh, a couple of years. He's still to this day my teaching guide. He helps me to understand how all of this works. And he worked with me for a couple of years, showing me steps that I needed to take in order to access more of my intuition. He was the one that helped me to understand that intuition isn't something we gain. It's not a gift. It's an ability. And it's a matter of accessing that ability. Intuition is typically under some form of clutter. And he literally invited me to declutter my mind, to declutter my environment, to declutter my emotions. And so I did some of that inner work. He then taught me how it all works, the review process, crossing over how mediumship works, how psychic um, energy works. And then from there, I was able to just access more and more and more intuition. At that point, he then uh, showed up one day and out of the blue said to me, everything that we've gone through in the last two years, I want you to put that together so other people can experience it. And, and I, at first, I remember not really quite understanding exactly what he meant. But in essence, he walked me through that. Now, Amy, it took me two years. <laughs> and the Sage Method course is seven weeks. So, you know... It would have been cool if he could have just given me the course, right? In the beginning. Right. right. <laughs> it would have been we, great. We don't get out of doing the work, right? No, like, we don't get out of doing the that's work. That's always my take home with all exactly, of Exactly. Exactly. And I took everything that I experienced in those two years and put it together in the formula that he, in essence, walked me through. I gathered, it was, this was back in 2007, 2008, um, a little bit of a poor memory, <laughs> but it was back, back right around there. And, and I, gathered a few clients and said, Hey, do you want to try this? And we walked them through the seven weeks. And at the end of the seven week uh, period, they weren't, it, it's not that you will instantly be able to like go up on stage and do group readings or things like that. That is something you have to work at. I mean, I worked at it for three, four years before I got up on stage or, you know, did large gatherings of that sort. But what will happen for people is that they will go through the seven weeks. They'll know, at the end of the seven weeks, their strengths, how it flows through them and how and what place and state they need to be in to access it. Because for some people, they're mediums. For some people, they're psychics. For some people, they can communicate with animals. Some people, it's an earth-based connection. So they'll know that by the end of the seven weeks. Knowing those things 
you're you're on the road. Now it's just a matter of tapping in every single day. And as you do, it'll first be like breadcrumbs, but then the breadcrumbs line up and then all of a sudden it's a line and then it's like a video and then it's like, a, you know, and it, and it keeps expanding as you keep using it. But the breadcrumbs, almost everyone that I've known that has gone through this course at least gets those breadcrumbs at the end. At the very end, there's two uh, experiments which we don't call them exercises, we call them experiments because it's an experiment to see what what works and what doesn't. There's a psychic experiment, experiment and a mediumship experiment. And it's so gratifying for me to watch people go through that because they get hits, intuitive hits that they could have never made up. And they, they always stun themselves. They're like, I can't believe this happened. And it's like, well, you just did seven weeks of really good inner work. You did seven weeks of... Um, learning and understanding how this works. You did, you did all this time figuring out how it flows for you, not for anyone else, but for you. And because of it, these are the hits that are available for you to be able to get. And it's, it's a lot of fun. I I love the course. Yeah. And I love what you're saying. And I, I, if you've listened to my podcast for a while now, you hear me say this over and over again, the inner work is a big piece of this. Because if you don't do the inner work, if you don't look at what's holding you back, if you don't look at the traumas and the, sh- and the difficulties that you've experienced and some early childhood stuff and maybe even some past life stuff and you don't clear that out, then you can't raise your vibration high enough to be able to connect in this. Yes. And that's where I think all of this always fits together. And for those of you who are listening, who've heard this before, sorry for the redundancy, but I want to drive that point home. Well, and think about it too, Amy, as you've seen, it's such, it's such a joy having gone through the inner work. Okay. It's hard to go through it. Awareness is tough. Hard as fuck. It's so there we go. It's yep. so painful. It's so, so painful. painful. Awareness stinks because you become aware of a behavior or aware of a, of a trigger or a trauma and now it's in your face and it's like, oh, but I tell people flip the script on that. It's not that being aware of something you need to heal is bad. That's 90% of the game. You are like at the doorway to walk through freedom from this issue. So the inner work is so valuable. And so many people who have gone through the chorus come back to me and say, I actually like myself better now. And that's not a side effect that I would have expected going through the course. And Exactly. I like myself better now after I've opened up intuitively. And it was, for me, it was bumpy. For many, it's not. Um, But I would go back and do it again and again and again. When you go through inner work, when you raise your vibration, you're raising yourself up into a space of compassion. You're raising yourself up into a space of higher understanding and knowing. And, And this is not a special factor. You're not more special than anyone else, but you're more in a position of the observer instead of the internal, you know, um, player. Mm -hmm. And it's almost impossible not to be when you raise your vibration. And as a result of that, there's more compassion, more love, more connectiveness in your life. You're able to set more healthy boundaries. You're able to be able to experience as a result of that, you can experience more joy. The list goes on and on and on. 
So I I do want to open it up for questions, but before we do that, can you take us through the daily practice of grounding, clearing, and protecting? Oh, yes, Amy. This one, if you get anything out of this podcast, do this. Hands down, do this. This one's a game changer and my guide. And it's, it's not even you know, something from some other planet, it's pretty, you would think it's pretty basic, but you'll be really stunned when you do this. My guide um, said you have to do uh, grounding, clearing and protecting, but in that order and do it daily, once a day, once in the morning, once at night, and if you need it any other time. But this practice is, it's an intent exercise. It takes 30 seconds and I'll walk you really quickly through it. And everyone should do this because Everything that happens to us, what we hear, what we see, what we feel, it hits our energetic body first, and then it hits our physical body. So if somebody yells at you, it's good that that anger energy is going to hit your your energetic body before it even hits your ears, before you even hear it. So we collect energies that we don't need to collect. We walk through the grocery store next to someone, and we pick up that scarcity energy that doesn't match our path. I mean, we're not back in the days where, you know, there was only 20 of us in, in a group and, you know, we were nomads and that's it. We are inundated with people and advertisements and noise. And we also did not learn how to take care of our energetic body. And that's what GCP does. And you can do it yourself. It's super easy. You ground. So you just close your eyes and you use your imagination with intent. This is not intuition. This is imagination with intent. Close your okay, eyes. So I want imagine. everybody to do this. So if you're listening live on Fireside, we're all going to do this together right now. Yeah, let's do this together. Okay. And if so, you're if you're in your car listening at a later date, pull over. Yes, please pull don't, over. Don't do this while driving. Just take a few minutes and let's just do this. Okay. Together. So what I want you to do is I want you to close your eyes. And the first step is that we're going to ground into Mother Earth. We're going to have her hold us tightly and securely so we can go even higher. So that can look like tree roots coming out of your feet, anchoring in. Perhaps a cord wraps around your waist and shoots down into Earth and holds you tight. Maybe flowers come up around you and, and hold on to you and secure you so you can raise your vibration. So just take a moment to picture that happening. Okay, now the next step is to clear. Choose an element that you're very close to. Do you like water? Do you like fire? Do you like wind? And I want you to imagine that element going completely through you, your physical and energetic body, and it clearing out all of the energies that you no longer need to carry. Take a minute to do that. And then lastly, what I want you to do is I want you to imagine a bubble around you and your energetic body. This is your protection piece. This is not keeping things out. This is a filter. Imagine that bubble, maybe put some color into it. In in essence, this bubble is encapsulating your perfect balance of energy now that you've grounded and cleared. That's the pattern that works so well. And what I want you to do is say to this bubble... Keep out that which is not for my highest good and allow in that which is for my highest good. 
and that's it. It's that simple. Now, you might want to do this on your own again if, if you needed a little bit more time. Some people I know it takes them a little bit more time the first few times they do it. But do this every day. It'll become quick. It'll become easy. And what you're doing is the formula of grounding first, clearing second, protecting last means that you're now moving forward in this realm with your balance of your energy and not carrying anyone else's junk. So your manifesting will be easier. You will attract fewer negative, fewer negative situations. Um, if it's not supposed to upset you, it won't. Isn't that glorious? That is just my favorite part of it. <laughs> and you'll start to see these shifts happen. Some people see them instantly. Some people start to see them in a few days. And it's a really, really wonderful tool. So, Bo, if people are interested in what you do, learning more about you, where exactly can they find you? The best place to start is thesagemethod.com. That's really the hub where you can find everything, whether you're interested in crossing over work or the crossing over community, or you're looking to hone your intuition. There's also um, smaller uh sort of smaller, but if you're not ready to go into like a seven week intensive, there's the smaller courses that you can do that are, um, some are free and they're really helpful. The free course we have, I love because it goes over GCP in a lot more detail, which I think is valuable for so many people to really understand the inner workings of their energetic body. Um, and then there's, there's other things in there that are fun that people can explore and, and let your intuition kind of pull you in the direction you want to go to. But the sagemethod.com is the best place to start. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time, your insights, your wisdom, the beautiful meditation that you shared with us and for Absolutely. being patient with the electronic technology. Meditation. It is what it is. It is what it is. Right. For better, and, and, for worse, right? Love for it better or it. for worse. But you know what? It's real. It is. It's, it's how we all roll. And, you know, I think in our new world of Zoom and all of these types of um, sessions, everyone understands it. And really the people that are um, attracted to what you're doing, Amy, the work you're doing, which is so amazing, they're typically patient and compassionate. Mm -hmm. so. That's what I've found. And thanks everybody for, for, for staying on and hanging with us through the technical difficulties. I'm getting better at solving the technical issues, which is always exciting for me. Growth, right? We're all about measuring growth. Here, That's so. it. <laughs> well, thank you so much today. And thank you everybody for listening. I really enjoyed seeing so many faces on the call this or on the, on the fireside chat today. And um, next week on Thursday, I have an episode on synchronicities with a woman who wrote a, uh, her, she did her dissertation all on synchronicities. So uh, hopefully you'll tune into that. I forget exactly what time it's at and I haven't posted it yet on the app, but I will. Um, so come and join us again next week at, at, at around the same time. Thanks everybody. Thank you. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Wondering what comes next and what it all means? Head over to Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you could take a minute to rate and review my podcast, I would really appreciate it. Stay tuned as we continue to explore life, death, and the space between.